Hi everybody, it's Kirby, your favorite and only Starshot Game Master at the time of this recording. This is a quick blurb that I'm putting out there and attaching to the front of the next couple episodes to say that we have switched systems. We will be moving from the Genesis system to Cortex Plus and probably Cortex Prime when that releases. As we record these episodes fairly infrequently, and as players don't get to be at every recording due to our format, we found that we were constantly jumping through the basics of Genesis just to get to the meat of the game. It is not an overly complex system, and I personally still enjoy it, but as we weren't making the best use of the system, we wanted to find a system that still hits the narrative strides that Genesis shoots for, but was easy to pick up and refresh players on between the long breaks and recordings. Speaking of long breaks and recordings, on our end, uh, we are still looking at recording frequently, but on your end, we hope to hit a more reliable stride. That is to say, we're going to record more stuff in the few times that we get to meet up and chop it up in multiple episodes that at uh, more organically good stopping points. With this change, we'll lose some of our agility with multiple character storylines intertwining and unraveling but i think it's worth it to tell a more cohesive story and then get that story to you sooner than later that's really all the news that i have for you depending on which episode you listen to this intro on we will have a separate episode where we discuss the basics of cortex either coming out or it may already be out on your feed Though I think we do a pretty good job of talking through some of the mechanics as our players learn the ropes, you're probably going to hear that a couple of times since I do record separately with different individuals, again, due to our format of the show. Uh, but that's all the news I have. Uh, thanks for listening. Now, on to the show. You find yourself on the road, or at least one of the nearby trails blazed by the Guardians of Eden that uh, have a nearby outpost. The early morning sun begins to stream in through the orange and blue flora that surround the fringes here. Oddly enough, you don't hear that familiar sense of wildlife out in nature is, is typically the only sense of white noise that you have in your life, given how you live your life, Corbin. Would you kindly describe your character and what it looks like when you have packed up your home and are on the road? What it looks like is that I've never been there. Basically, it's just my pack with my bedroll and my trusty staff. That's, that's all I've got. I travel light and try to keep to myself. Been living out in the fringes for quite a while uh, what does corbin actually look like i kind of picture him just a very plain not not a very big person you know so maybe like five six or something like that average height probably a little rough looking you know he lives in the woods so like a leather coat or maybe not leather but like something that he'd have to have fashioned so just like a duster and um good walking shoes you know very simple sort of if you've ever uh played like monster hunter i was thinking of a character that would be sort of like that so you find yourself on the road looking for a new site to call home you don't live 
anywhere for too long, what exactly do you look for in a new home? Do you have certain spots within the fringes that you just kind of rotate through, or are you always like looking for a new place? Um, yeah, I, I would say that uh, Corbin Corbin's always moving around. You know, he's not camping, right? Um, so he would want an inconspicuous place. So he doesn't mind if there's a little, you know, a few rocks in the way or, or whatever, like he's living amongst the wildlife, not making room to settle down. Um, so it wouldn't be your typical, like, this is a nice clearing that will be comfortable. It is, how can I get in here? stay for a few days and then get out like I've never been here. So I think what we have here is three, four shots of you traveling the wilderness, sometimes on trail, other times off trail. We definitely have a shot of you hopping across rocks as you cross a stream. We have another shot where you are contemplating a cave. And I, I think there's maybe a moment where you're kind of peering in and then a whole bunch of local, uh, I think... I mean, let's just call it what they are. A whole bunch of rabbits are kind of like scurrying out, like spa space rabbits, as it were, uh, scurrying out, and you figure this is probably not a good spot, and you move on. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably try to catch one, actually, as they're scurrying out. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, try to hunt. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's actually ease you into the system by making that your first roll actually okay so allow me to set the stakes but we are going to have you roll for i think this is more physical and depending on how you approach this are you actively shooting are you trying to sneak up are you using like survival techniques to capture this you set the stage in which i was standing and they they try to scurry out so i would say that it's a quick you know let me try to uh, reflex, yeah, like bash it <laughs> or something. All right, yeah, absolutely. So why don't we get you to do a physical plus move, and I am setting the stakes now. The stakes have been set to six. We can probably roll French World Survivalist. Like, maybe you figured that there was something living in this cave, so you were more prepared for it. Uh, you were expecting it, really. So uh, that's another D8 for you. Well, so 21 total. Or actually, no, uh, we're only counting two dice there. So 16 total. So uh, that's going to net you a D6 to put in your bank there for a big damn hero die. In any case, uh, yeah, you have caught yourself a rabbit. And I think we perhaps have a off-screen kill here. And uh, we cut to probably an hour later where we have like a close-up shot of that uh, of that rabbit kind of hanging off your pack there as you are back on another road. This road looks wider than the series of sh uh, trails that you've been taking earlier. And at this point, it's about midday. Uh, this road is not like a perfectly paved road that goes against the grand proposal of the World Congress 30 years ago. But it is a well-worn path from the occasional vehicle traffic that goes to the various Guardian of Eden outposts that are nearby. But also the few, uh, which is a sort of religious community 
organization that helps to shuttle people back and forth between Stepping Stone and West Sands, which I, th I think at this point you're probably like equal, equal distance between the two of them. And so you're on this road. It's just you. Uh, it's not lost on you that today and the last couple of days you haven't really seen too much wildlife and you certainly don't hear any birds or anything chirping in the background, any noises. And uh, as you round the bend, about 50 yards up the road, just as it begins to curve around another bend, you see a large semi-trailer. You That is not something that you normally see outside the city. The semi, uh, as big as it is, and it's not necessarily as big as what we have here on Earth, but it still takes up a large portion of the road. It essentially dominates the road to where there is no two-way traffic with that thing on the road. In any case, you can make out uh, two people that have the hood open to this truck and you can't make out what they're saying from this distance, but they are very clearly yelling at one another, just judging off their body language. What do you do? Uh, is there any way that I can move off the road, like into out of view? If, if I can help it, I want to avoid anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to try to go like a completely different direction? Or are you just trying to use like the tree line here to your advantage while still like staying close to the road? Yeah, I, I think that's what I'm going to do because I assume that the, the semi is moving towards me. The semi is not moving at all. Is that full stop? Oh, they it's have not the moving. hood popped okay. open and you see a couple people trying to like work on the engine. Okay, I'm going to move to closer to the woods um, next to the road if that if that's there and um continue moving towards them towards where i was going but slower see if i can make out what's going on i think what's more important here is not being able to hear them i think you're going to be able to hear them loud and clear what's more important here is that you're able to keep your presence unknown so why don't we have you do a physical plus sneak all right uh so stakes are super low it's just going to be a two you begin to sneak along the road here. You're you're a quiet guy. Uh, you're able to tip uh, toe around the like loose brush and uh, essentially not make any sort of sound while still just casually striding alongside the road here, just beyond the tree line. You come creeping up and hang out by a tree uh, as you finally catch whiff of their conversation, and they seem to be in the middle of like an argument. Uh, you see uh, two young adults. They look like they're 18, maybe 20 at, at best. And it's a man and woman. Uh, the man is about 5'10". Uh, and he, he's like slightly above average in his build. And he's currently head and shoulders deep into the engine uh, just hanging off the bumper. They don't seem to have like a proper stool for this. And the woman uh, is 5'6", with this like light bluish tint to her skin. You've heard of this. This is a sort of fashion like accessory that's developed in like the last couple of years where basically this natural concoction that turns your skin various colors. And a lot of the kids are doing it nowadays. 
so this isn't too alien to you, uh, though I don't think you've seen anyone actually use it. You've merely heard of it. In any case, uh, the young woman is uh, yelling at the guy, and she's like, I thought you said you knew how to fix this. And <laughs> that's when the guy, like, frustrated, finally, like, takes his head out of the engine and says, like, Look, yo, I'm doing as best as I can. I told you we should have stopped at that outpost. We're going to get fucking murdered out here. And he hops off the bumper, uh, and the two of them just keep going at it. it. Just listening to them for like 30 seconds, they, well, first and foremost, they don't look like the types that should be driving a large semi out here in nature. But also, it is very clear that they're like on the younger side. And uh, within the 30 seconds that you've been listening, uh, they cover such a wide range of topics. Uh, the man is like, worried about some rumor regarding some fringe hobo who kidnaps and murders kids or something like that i i I chuckle at hearing that (laughs) but not loudly enough for them to hear yeah and then uh the woman who he refers to as lily uh says we're we're just gonna have to hoof it i we gotta get moving i i don't want to be caught here after dark look i'm sorry we didn't stop by the last outpost but we can start stop at the next we just probably have to just keep following this road uh so what do you do well if they're scared of a fringe hobo i'm not going to reveal myself and i'm probably going to keep on going towards the town unless i hear something else interesting uh actually i do want you to make a notice check so you're going to roll your mental plus notice the stakes have been set to eight there we go. So that is 10. I have set the stakes at 8. So yeah, that, that raises the stakes. So what you notice is as you're like looking for an opportunity to continue to sneak back, uh, sneak past them because they're still like hanging out around the front of, this, uh, front of this engine, bickering to one another. On the other side of the road, there is more of a canopy where much of the sunlight is kind of blocked. And that's when you see it. One pair of these yellow glowing eyes, completely circular. Then you see a second, then a third, and then finally a fourth. You said it was across from me? Is it in the forest or is it... It's on the other side of the road in the forest. And the kids seem oblivious to this. Does it seem to be moving towards them or I just see it? It doesn't seem to be moving at all in this particular moment. But they do seem to be studying the kids on the road. What I want to do is use the rabbit that I caught to distract whatever this creature is by sort of throwing it towards it into the woods. Slowly going to walk out of the woods, letting them know that I'm there, and position myself as quickly and smoothly as possible in between these kids and this creature okay Uh, why don't we start with a i think perhaps uh mental plus trick is more important here and uh, allow me to set the stakes here because you're trying to actively trick whatever it is that's in this underbrush i set the stakes to 12 you said that was trick is it possible to use my fringe world survivalist on this how does that change my role because i have a d4 and trick you would add a d8 
Ooh, eight. Uh, an eight does not beat my 12. You can spend a plot point right here, right now, to add your big damn hero die if you like. I will do that. Oh, no. Ugh. All right, so I think what happens here, uh, you, you got a total of 11, uh, and that does not beat, raise the stakes. So what happens here is you begin to slowly creep out from the... Uh, tree line here and immediately the guy notices you he jumps and he's like holy fucking shit what the fuck is that guy carrying it and then he's like fuck 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 and he begins to try to run on the other side of the uh, cabin grabbing onto lily's forearm he says it's that fucking hobo he has some sort of fucking shrunken head or some shit in his hand and that's when you toss the uh dead uh alien rabbit corpse uh into the tree line and that's when the creature's fly out so what you see here are furry creatures with bat-like wings but they also still have an otherwise like monkey type body so they have the arms they have these giant wings that look to be a third of a size bigger than them those uh, yellow eyes that I described look kind of like binoculars that are just built in the front of their face and they have these long uh, dark tails and their fur is largely black with like maybe a splash of white on their chest and they have these tiny razor sharp uh, things from their mouth and they are now swarming you and the two kids what do you do so there's no they're like on us that's what you're saying yeah they're on you they did not pay attention it seems to the rabbit actually i would say of the four set of eyes that you saw i would say only one of them goes for the uh, rabbit quickly swooping in and snatching it up midair before it even hits the uh, ground the first thing i want to do is sort of I guess the only thing I could do is try to fight one of them off if they're on top of us with my uh, staff that I have. Okay. Combat in the system doesn't have, like, an initiative role. Basically what it is, I decide, like, who makes the most sense on going first, right? Um, in this situation, I think it's going to go to these, like, winged monkey creatures. Um, and then after that, it's kind of popcorn initiative, which is to say whoever just went in the initiative picks the next person to go. Mm. I guess to set the scene, we have three out of the four uh, flying monkeys flying out from the uh, dark here of the trees out into the sun, uh, out into the light. We have two that are about to swoop in for the kids who look like they're making a run for the passengers passenger side door of the semi-truck and one who is sweeping in toward you so what's going to happen is in this case you actually set the stakes for me uh so what does it look like um when you try to avoid being like hit on are you actively like trying to fight back or are you trying to duck out of the way keep in mind like this is not your combat action this is you like defending yourself no i would i would be trying to duck out of the way first and foremost to get a better position Sort okay. of, sort of like, if I can, using the trees to my advantage, you know. Okay, so you're going to sort of like do a tactical retreat into the tree line. Yes, and sort okay. of use the forest to my advantage if possible, because I feel like I could be able to use my either survival skills or move skills in 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 the fringe. Right off the bat, I, I'm going to give you another plot point. Uh, just because I think you're doing great so far and you're making decisions that actually move the story forward. So I'm going to give you a plot point. Uh, so you keep that in mind. You have that in your pocket right now. 
let's go ahead and have you do your physical move then. My physical is D8, and since I'm using move, that would be D10. And I think fringe movement is probably relevant here, since you're moving okay. into the environment more. Uh, so Is that a D6? So that's another or, D6 yeah, I mean... for you. So you have a jinx, but you have otherwise set the stakes to 9. Yeah, I think I'm going to give you a second plot point uh, so because i am going to buy that jinx but i think the complication i'm going to give you is a d6 panicked complication so that's going to be a d6 and i'm going to actually use that against you in this role as they uh try to beat your stakes that you've set so again the stakes have been set to nine okay i think like the tactics here that he's more specifically trying to get is to I think just to cover the ground uh, so he's not going to be able to attack you this turn so i think this is what's more important here is like getting into position to like actually attack you so uh he's going to be rolling his physical his flight uh skill and this creature has a distinction fastest creature in the skies so he's going to be rolling that on top of the complication so this is not going to look great for you 18 is total here i yeah, I did roll an opportunity. You can spend a plot point to roll back that panicked complication if you like. Great. Oh, definitely. I think I should. Okay, so yeah, subtract one of your plot points. And yeah, with an 18, uh, I think this creature starts to sweep toward you. Uh, but as you immediately turn to begin running into the uh, tree line here, and there is a moment where there there is like some panic, right? Even though it's about to be rolled back. Uh, now that you're within like the woods and running like downhill, uh, you're starting to feel a little more confident to yourself that you can find some sort of advantage here. But nevertheless, we have a shot where we see the front view and you're checking over your so shoulder. You don't see it anywhere, uh, but the viewers see it flying overhead, uh, flying really fast past you, and then uh, landing on a low-hanging branch just above where you're like kind of in this downhill sprint uh, to run. So I'm going to pick you uh, as being next in the uh, turn order here. So is it... How, where is it in front of me and do i do i have a good look at it it is like six feet up on a low hanging branch on a tree that is downhill from you that you were uh, your momentum is carrying you toward okay i don't know if you will allow me to do this because i'm assuming things are happening pretty quickly but i want to know if there's any way I have time to discern what this creature is to sort of influence, you, you know, quick thinking, obviously, but to influence what I should do next. Do I know what it is and have I encountered it before living in the fringe? Yeah, we could do that. Um, I think I'm going to make this a fairly like average role because I think there is a good chance that you know at least of this creature. So let me set the stakes. All right. Uh, so I have set the stakes to seven. And you're you're going to be rolling your mental plus no, and you probably do fringe world survivalists. So it would be my d10, my d8 for fringe world, and my d6 for now. Yeah. Oh gosh, two two jinxes and a three. So. Oh my god! Can I spend a plot point on this to help me? There is nothing you can spend a plot point on right now to help you. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I will say, like, you're, you're still going to have, like, your action uh, to do for this, for your turn. So everything's happening so fast, I have no idea. I don't have even any time to yeah. consider it. Okay. I think what we're going to do is, I'm only going to buy one of those jinxes, so I'm going to give you a plot point to create a complication uh, that is downward momentum. So I have two plot points again. Yeah. So... In terms of like your actual action for this term, what do you want to do? Hmm. So towards me, trying to grab at me. Yeah, you're kind of running downhill right now, hence the complication. And momentum is carrying you toward this creature uh, that is definitely, I think, hanging from the branch, like now upside down, wings spread, arms like wide open because it's hanging from its feet on this branch. Basically like an upside down bat with his wings extended. A monkey bat. Since I'm going downhill, I want to try to to slide and try to change change direction as best as possible. So, sort of like a baseball slide okay. on my side, if possible, and try to grab something so that maybe I swing around a tree. You know, I I don't know something like. Where I'm not going to go straight at him, but sort of slide so I'm lower to the ground and be more out of reach. Okay. I don't think it's going to really have anything else. So uh, that is a 11 for the stakes. Since we're in the woods, we are... Maybe there's something I can... Like maybe vines or something are hanging from the trees or they yeah, can just grab on yeah. and just like help you with your swing. Yeah. Yeah, as I'm sliding, sort of grab on and pull myself to the side, so... So, yeah, spin a plot point and add another d6 to your roll. It looks like you have rolled an 11, so you'll need to spin a plot point if you want to win this, because you're currently tied with the defender. Yeah. So you have raised the stakes with a 15. So, yeah, you begin to slide down uh, the side of this hill, uh, going through some of the brush, some of the rocks and stuff, and falling, like branches and twigs and stuff is kind of scratching against you but you don't care about that right now you grab onto a low-hanging uh striped orange and blue vine and use that uh to begin to swing yourself just out of that creature's reach uh, we see you leaving it high and dry and at this point your momentum begins to slow down and I think we can probably take away that downward momentum complication as uh, there is not as much of a slope at this point. I think it is going to screech and try to hide, which is pretty good at this. Um, and uh, while it's running, um, I assume that your default action is just to keep awareness as to wh where is that, right? Right. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to invite more uh danger yeah so i think you're going to set the stakes by rolling your mental plus notice uh, but you have set the stakes to 10 because you rolled a jinx so that doesn't count what is up with this today <laughs> yeah so i'm not gonna buy that jinx but nevertheless it has raise the stakes on you so you lose sight of it and you can hear not too far away what sounds like perhaps a different part of that stream that we saw earlier in the episode you can hear the running water off of that you just don't see the stream itself yet um, meanwhile you can hear that the kids seem to be 
still yelling, but it sounds muffled. So you think maybe they've gotten to the cabin of that semi-truck. What would you like to do? Since I don't know where this is, and I do have a good idea of where the stream is, I am going to head as quickly and carefully as I can, and stealthily, I guess, towards the stream and try to evade um, this creature by getting into the stream. Okay. Uh, Stakes are set six. God. Okay. Yeah, you did not raise the stakes with a five. So I think what happens here is uh, you begin to uh, hustle and as quietly as you think you can go uh, in this woodlands toward the stream, you eventually uh, reach it. The running water here is a little more fast moving uh, than what we saw earlier. And mm-hmm. you kind of, uh, you figure you probably like ford across this river. Um, if you try to just wade through the water, you can absolutely do so. But given how fast these creatures fly, that might not be the best case. You can also try to uh, jump from rock to rock if you like, if you're like bent on trying to cross the stream. But as is, it is the creature's turn and it is still after you. I think I'm going to give you a plot point uh, to buy that jinx from you. I kind of imagine your character off balance as they reach the bank of the stream, uh, stumbling out of the tree line. And so that's going to be the complication is off balanced. And this creature is going to swoop in. uh, And I think the distance isn't too far. So I think it's just going to flat out try to uh, grab onto you. So it's going to be rolling its physical plus fights against you. What do you think you'd be rolling for like defense against this? I, I think you you still don't actually know where it's at because you lost track of it. But you can probably try to fight back using your uh, telescoping staff. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going yeah. to try to stand my ground and see if I can sort of like how you would think of it if a horse was running at you and just sort of jab at it well i think like narratively like this creature does swoop in um surprising you grabbing you by the shoulder and even getting as far as like lifting you a little bit off the ground when uh this fight begins to break out between the two of you and i can see you like whipping out the telescoping staff um and fighting back to like get it to like drop you so i think that's what's happening in the fiction here so okay. yeah, go ahead and roll your physical, your signature assets, uh, which if you would kindly describe for the uh, for the audience and also your fight. Sure, I sort of envision it as a sort of very small metal piece when it's not in use, and I think there's like a button on the side where it just extends out of the two sides, sort of like um. So it's not just a staff that goes straight up, sort of like one of those double-bladed lightsabers, you know? So I only set the stakes to two, so it's really low stakes. <sighs> you would you would literally have to botch this roll to not get free of this creature. So I should have 2d8 and 1d4. That's what I should have. Yeah. Okay, four, and then the uh, complication, because uh, I am going to buy that jinx. Um, yep. I'm really jinxing it today. <laughs> yeah, well, me too. My my rolls haven't been that great for the most part. Uh, but you still raise the stakes. So I think what happens here is, as we just described, you're lifted off the ground of one foot, two foot. At this point, you have your telescoping staff out. You uh, wildly swing like above your head 
uh, and you catch it on the side of, your, of its head, and it drops you, and you go stumbling um, onto the shore bank, but also your forward, your off-balance momentum uh, carries you into the water a little bit, and you're still scrambling. And buying that complication, I'm not going to introduce a new complication. I'm just going to raise the off-balance complication from a D6 to a D8. Because of like how poorly this fight's going, I think we're going to keep up the fight mm -hmm. uh, before we just call it uh, quits. So you find yourself in the middle of this uh, water, bumped and bruised against some of the rocks, but and just kind of off-kilter here. What do you do? It's, it's your turn, the action order. Okay. So am I being swept away? Am I just in the water? No, it's not that fast moving of a stream. You're not being swept away. The stream is moving fast enough and is like just deep enough to make moving through it directly just kind of a hassle. Um, and you're currently off balance. And I think uh, just to let you know, like where the creature is, it is like still flying in the sky. Is trying to, is like rubbing the side of his head where you like knocked it. I don't think it was expecting that. Yeah. And so it was like flapping his wings like several feet above you and contemplating another swoop in. Uh, so what do you do? Mm. Is that how deep did you say the stream was? Uh, it's probably like halfway up your shins. Okay, so not deep enough to swim. Yeah, with just like a lot of like uneven like rocks and stuff like under the water. <sighs> okay, all right, so that's not gonna work. I was gonna try to swim away, but can't do that. So I think what I want to do, since I'm in the stream now, can I can I spend a plot point? I'm trying to think of what kind of advantage that I would notice or see. Can we do another one of those? There's an overhanging branch or tree that I can get in between me and the creature so it can't actually attack me. Or a cave or some some kind of thing that I can do to get out of its reach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could say, like, there's a cove, like... The head of you, um, we could say there's a tree, a new tree line that you can get behind on the other side of this bank. Because I'm still off balance, so I can't really do any heavy fighting, you know? I'm just trying to think of other ways to... Well, I, I think with the off balance complication, I think any physical thing right now is... <laughs> right. Uh, that's going to play against you. So I want to I wanna sort of get something that limits its ability to attack me with its full movement so whether that's a cove a tree or a cave something to put in between me and the creature and move and move towards that if i can i think maybe um thick canopy could be like the asset here like you move into a tree line and yeah. it has to get like really low to like actually fly in after you from what you've observed so far is definitely better at mm -hmm. flying high and then swooping in like really quick and again this is the fastest creature in the skies. So uh, if you can make flying difficult for it, yeah, absolutely. So right. you're spending a plot point to create an, uh, an asset. So yeah, I think it is going to try to defend, quote unquote, by uh, trying to fly in pursuit of you as you race across the tree line here. And it's going to get to roll your um, off-balance complication against you as it does so. So let me set the stakes. Uh, stakes have been set to 12. 
And actually, I'm going to spend a plot point to my only plot point. I, I get to start with as many plot points as there are player, players. I'm going to spend a plot point to basically bring that to toward the total. So the total is 14. Um, do you have any... Hmm. I'm out of plot points. You're out of plot points. <laughs> Even if you did add that to... Actually, if you did add that to... So let me buy uh, that jinx and then you can turn around and spend that on the two there um, so i think the complication i'm going to introduce to you is flesh wound so i think what happens here because uh, by if you're going to buy that too like i suggest you do okay yeah then that raises the stakes because uh, you beat it by one uh, so I think what happens here is as you're scrabbling along the rocks um, of the stream here and trying to find your balance, mm -hmm. you finally hit a stride uh, and get in past a tree line. As we have already discussed, the thick canopy overhead uh, makes it very dark, so it's hard for you to see. But also it makes it hard for it to just swoop in and grab you, so it has to fly low on your level, uh, zigzagging through these trees. So we just see you booking it through these trees, right? And uh, eventually, I think what happens specifically is that you suddenly drop. Like, we have a shot where it's just, like, you glancing over your shoulders, and it's just uh, your hip and up, and then you just drop out of frame. So, like, through the manhole cover. Like <laughs> yeah, essentially. Cartoon style. Yeah. Uh, and so you drop, and you begin to bang against some rocks underground. It's suddenly very dark. And then you find yourself like sliding, like this natural like underground slide, uh, until it eventually shoots you out into this uh, super dark cavern. Um, and your complication that that I bought for you is essentially a D six battered and bruised. But hey, at least you're not being chased by that creature anymore. So I still have the off balance, or do I get to take that away? I think you, yeah, we're going to just take that away as we enter a new scene with you. So you find yourself underground. It is pitch dark under here. Uh, you hear just echoing from that like natural slide that just spat you out. The screech of that creature. And there's like a sort of a pregnant pause uh, in the action where you're trying to figure out if it's chasing after you. But if it is trying to chase after you, it never comes. You never see those glowing yellow eyes, eyes of it uh, in the dark there. And it's, it seems like you dropped about nearly 10 feet uh, from the slide itself. Uh, so what do you do? You still have your pack on you. You still have your telescoping stuff. You're, you're just kind of out of your element. Yeah, I don't think I lost anything except the rabbit. I assume you probably have some, like, packed away, like, rations. Yeah. And, like, perhaps, like, cans or something. But you just lost your fresh food. Um, I think the first thing I would do is try to um, assess damage to me. Um, because that's the most important thing right now is make sure that I can still function as best as possible in a new environment so i don't know if i would have to roll for that but um like i know i have a flesh wound but yeah uh well you're better and bruised right now so what we could be doing uh is doing one of those recovery rolls yeah so the way recovery rolls work is even if you fail the recovery roll like you still get to step back the die and because this is a just a d6 
complications don't get to be d4 so it would just actually disappear no matter what you roll okay uh, but you still want to roll it just just in case you get like uh more jinxes or um even potentially a big damn hero die right so uh what what exactly are you doing to like help the fact that you're like wounded here are you just kind of like gritting through it do you have like a, a first aid thing yeah i think i would be wanting to um if i'm battered and bruised i just sort <clears throat> of want to yeah like painkillers too that's another thing yeah yeah like uh like maybe i have some you know chew on some of those leaves that act as painkillers or what have you sure so sure. i assume i would have some of those so i think that's going to be a mental plus treats stakes are incredibly low so chances are yeah you flub this up you're going to get a big damn hero die d10 and d6 it's an eight eight oh so you do get a big damn hero die uh so note that on your sheet is going to be a d6 so yeah you spend a minute like searching through your pack you're pretty sure you didn't lose anything in your inventory here so uh, you just you feel around until finally you find that like little pouch that has like the medicinal uh, leaves that you're chewing on, uh, and if we could actually see in the dark here, we'd see that you're pulling out these blue leaves that are spotted with tiny like orange dots that seem to be like very symmetrical and it, it's a very like orderly pattern. And you begin to um, you basically pluck away the stem and just like begin to chew on the leaf which has this very numbing uh, like the slight numbing effect to your mouth for that first couple of seconds but you know from experience that that will go away in a couple of minutes right. it's just probably going to make talking a little bit weird for you just like when you go to the dentist essentially but yeah we step back that bruise and better complication and you just find yourself uh in the quiet here what do you do? Well, I need to take stock of my surroundings. So I think what I'm going to do is see if I can um, fashion some kind of um, light source. I think being like a survivalist as you you are, we can probably just say that like you have a couple glow sticks or something in hand that you can just break out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pop one of those and we're gonna take stock of where we are. What am I in a cavern? Am I in a tunnel? Because you said it was pitch dark, right? So I gotta take stock. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. You're popping out. What is it like a glow stick or a lantern flashlight? Yeah. I would just say we'll crack the glow okay. stick and see. Uh, so the glow stick is a sky magenta uh, color, uh, and that lights you. Uh, for, I think I have described this before. Uh, but I'll describe for you and for our listeners who might just be tuning in for the first time with your chapter. Uh, the skies here on Janus are a lovely, like, magenta color. Uh, so very accurate when I say sky magenta color. So, uh, yeah, I think that illuminates you and we get a another good look of you, of you as you're looking around. Um, the cavern itself does not seem overly massive. It seems about... 20 by 30 feet and there are there's essentially a tunnel to your left a tunnel straight ahead and looking up you can see that that slide essentially that that shoot that shot you out here uh 10 feet above you and there doesn't seem to be any sort of wildlife or insects uh scuttling about uh, there does seem to be a little bit of some sort of fungus along some of the walls here 
What do you do? I will go straight. I, I do think it's a good idea to follow where the... Is the fungus just everywhere, or is it... Uh, it, it covers probably 80% of the cavern walls here. Okay, I'll just go straight. I mean, I don't know where I am, so we gotta figure it out. So I'm just gonna walk straight. Carefully. So you begin to walk forward. You don't feel any sort of incline or decline. Uh, this passageway seems to sneak about, and there are moments where uh, some of the walkways here, it's... Uh, sometimes the, like the the ceiling of this tunnel uh, is too short, and we see like having to squat or sometimes even crawl. Other times we have we see you like just squeezing through stuff, and this goes on for I think another 20, 30 minutes as best as you can tell, and is nevertheless uh, still dark here. And eventually you leave out mm-hmm. from the tunnels and arrive into another another cavern here and this one is far more massive your light of the glow stick it does not even allow you to see the other side of this uh cavern what you do see is that the tunnel seems to just uh stop here there is like the slightest of paths that you can uh, scuttle across if you hug the cavern wall here and just go along it and that seems to just be descending downward into the abyss here so whatever side the the path is on you know let's say it's fits a right i want to keep my right hand on the wall and just shimmy along as best i can probably while muttering under my breath uh, wondering how the hell i got into this mess yeah, uh, so I think we're going to have to have you roll for this. Okay. Uh, stakes have been set to eight. So I have a... Ooh, very good, 12. So you have raised the stakes, great. Uh, so you begin to move along this, uh, uh, this cavern wall, hand on the kind of moist and slick fungi that's kind of growing here. Just kind of just feels weird under the palm and fingers of your hands. Oh, I'm sure it feels awful. Yeah, but it does have like this slightly sweet scent to it, oddly enough. Uh, nevertheless, you begin to uh, descend along this trail that's forcing you to basically hug this cavern wall. And uh, I think it is a good two minutes of doing this um, before... Uh, it finally like leads to some ground. You find yourself on this uh, cavern ground, and it seems like the walls were kind of sort of sloping down to this circular clearing within the cavern itself, right? Your glow stick like waving around, uh, which mind is uh, starting to die here, but I think you probably have like a fair supply of glow sticks. I think that's a fair assumption. Can we say three to five? <laughs> yeah, sure. You find yourself in a dead end, but you do find something very peculiar, something that you didn't expect to find down here. It is an old nav unit from the original colony ship. Mm. Uh, essentially, these are biroids that weren't given like the full treatment, so they don't have like the synthetic skin, and frankly, they very much look like the robots from iRobot. Okay. And these nav units were used on the original colony ship to essentially 
pilot and pilot the ship while the the human complement of the colony ship was essentially in a sort of stasis and virtual reality world just minding their own business while traveling through the stars right mm -hmm. and so what you find here is an old nav unit that is set up against the wall here and its head is kind of its head is downcast, looking off to the side. It is flat out missing its right arm, but the rest of it, like its chassis, seems to be largely in good shape uh, here. And it looks like it's just sort of powered down. Well, I look at him, you know, as best I can in the light that I have, and I say, "Well, friend, what have I found?" And um, I know what he is. Or they are, however we classify this bioroid. But um, d is there any sort of designation number on him? I want to try to get him working and see see why he's down here. But what is his designation? Like uh, you're basically asking for his name, or you're trying to make sense of the or the the number. I mean, I know he's a nav unit. You've told me that, yeah. so I I would know that anyway. But I um, think uh, his designation number is uh, Charlie Bravo six zero one. Okay, so I'm gonna call him CB. That's what I was getting at. I was trying to figure out what to call him if I get him working. Um, so that's what I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna see if there's any way I could activate him. How do you go about this? Are you do you have like equipment that you work with? Um, are you just kind of poking around in his chassis to see like if there are any immediate parts that need to be uh, looked at? Or, I mean, I think the first thing I would do is the simplest thing is just see if there's, you know, the traditional way. You know, obviously see if there's any big things missing. But does he turn on? You know. <laughs> I think in that case, let's have you roll your mental plus no. You have a biroid design specialty, so we're going to use that. Right. We can probably use your uh, former company man. This is going to be a really good roll for you. Let me roll to set the stakes. Okay. Biroid, like working with biroids is a very complicated thing, and this is like an older model than I think you're probably used to. Like you haven't worked with it in years. Yeah, so under former company man, it says... Um gain one plot point when you roll a d4 instead of a d8 so i'm stepping it back so that i can get a plot point yeah you'll be stepping back the company die okay so i want to have a plot point in my back pocket all right uh you have set the stakes to seven uh which actually gives you yeah which raises the stakes so great uh that beats my five uh so yeah you begin to examine at this uh, old nav unit and uh, there are essentially a few things that's important to make sure it's like intact before turning it on right first and foremost there is making sure that the main processor located at the base of the neck uh, back of the neck there is still good second uh, they use a battery uh, that I mean the battery is self lasts for a century it's just a matter of whether or not it's intact and still functional right uh, so you also check over that and then finally there is supposed to be a sort of uh, and not a lot of people know this but there is supposed to be this sort of inhibitor that is located just under their chest um, under that 
chassis and just kind of blends in with everything else uh, that's supposed to be there. The first two things are good. The processor works, the battery is still good. That inhibitor is not there. And um, basically what that means is that it's not beholden to commands by humans. Hmm. I think I noticed that and I say, interesting. Yeah, but uh, your assessment of this states that you, you should just be able to just flip this on. And I think right where a human heart would be, uh, there is like a little switch not too far away from where that inhibitor is supposed to be. Okay. And I say, as I, as I move towards, uh, you know, move to switch cb on i say let's let's see what you're doing down here uh friend and i switch him on you switch him on his eyes come to life his head slowly raises until like it's actually level and you're kind of familiar with this sort of behavior there's units that have been shut down for a long time they typically need 10 to 30 seconds to actually boot up as it were even if they were in a sleeping state um mm -hmm. and play catch up and so there's 10 seconds here where his eyes are just processing with a blue and uh, and the iris of this biroid that then fades away and then his eyes begin to look everywhere his head on a swivel and you're kind of surprised uh, because these old nav units weren't exactly programmed with human-like behavior, and yet here CB mm -hmm. begins to hyperventilate, even as they don't need to breathe, and they begin to uh, scramble further on the stalagmites here, and he's holding up like the leftover hand, and you can tell that he seems to just be in the middle of reacting to something that must have happened before it lo it lost consciousness as it were this actually keeps going on and he doesn't seem to like okay. knows you immediately like what do you do i think i try to talk to him and i say uh cb what what are you seeing right now what is your function i think it's it's reacting and i think was specifically saying please no i did what you ask i did what you ask and it doesn't seem responsive to your inquiries. Um, it seems like you'll have to do something to calm it down and like snap it into the presence. Uh, present. What do you do? I think what I want to do is sort of check to see if I can. There's like a playback function, or if I can sort of reset part of what's going on. It does have like a playback function that it could do if it was accepting verbal commands, which it doesn't seem to be accepting any sort of input right now. Right. Uh, you'd be able to just ask it to if you were able to like physically plug in or like use a device that can do Bluetooth essentially to connect to it. Uh, you'd be able to do a playback through that. But um, yeah, and I doubt very much that I have one of those on me in this cave. Yeah, uh, it's unlikely but uh, i mean you can always spend a plot point to say that you do i yeah but it's up to you how you want to approach this um if you're trying to like calm it down through like talking that's like an influence role if yeah do uh, trying to think of how the best way i mean i guess i you know i i will do that i'll i'll, I'll spend the plot point and let's just say that um i have some kind of asset that would help me with this i can do that right yeah absolutely so you you bring out a tablet and i think tablets in this future are uh foldable glass 
that actually like works and feels good uh, like uh <laughs> our glass today and just just to say uh like i think this would look really out of place uh, on him he doesn't do this much and especially you know since he's a french person you know him wearing this tech which probably looks newer than he does yeah absolutely so you you essentially pull out this um folded tablet that's like the size of modern smartphones at the time of this recording <laughs> and you unfold it and it obviously spans in size and you begin to tap across the uh, interface and try to connect with this bluetooth and that's where you begin to like hit your first wall uh, because it doesn't have that inhibitor it's making it a little bit difficult for you to actually connect so why don't we encompass all of this where you're trying to calm it down but also access the systems by doing a roll for it and i think what we're going to do is your mental plus operate and probably former company man works here so i've set the states to 13 and you created an asset so you spent a plot points so don't forget to roll an extra d6 for that asset ah uh let's see that is a nine total Okay, what about my big hero dice? I think I have one of those. Oh, yeah, you do have one of those. So you spend a plot point and you can roll that. Okay. Uh, you can roll that now. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I think that brings you to a 12, so it does not raise the stakes. What happens here is uh, you begin to try to manipulate the data um, on, your, on your pad, right? And the... Nav unit seems to be in this sort of uh, feedback loop, reliving his last few moments. And what happens is on your screen where we see like a bunch of code sc uh, scroll scrolling down and uh, we mm -hmm. see some like blue circles that you're kind of like tapping and manipulating around the screen, et cetera, et cetera, special effects. You, we see everything on your screen um, turn red uh, as... Okay. It has seemed to turn the tables on you and instead like downloading the information. So it breaks itself out of this loop and goes into the sort of standby mode. We see his eyes glow blue as it begins to process new information. And this takes all of like five seconds. It locks eyes with you. Hi, I am CB601. All music and artwork featured on the show was brought to you by Solid, whose information can be found in the show notes. If you would like to stay up on the latest news for Starshot, follow us on Twitter at StarshotPod. We'll see you among the stars.